Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. So very glad to have you with us. A lot of stuff to talk about on today's program, so let's get right to it. Matter of fact, I'm just looking at the temperature there. 52 degrees outside. It's a heat wave. Somebody was telling me this morning. I haven't listened to the weather forecast. Somebody was telling me this morning that some people were saying three to five inches of snow on Saturday. Don't know if that's the case or not, but enjoy 52 degrees outside for the moment. All right. Local story, same issue as a national story. Wauwatosa, which has been, well, Wauwatosa has seen more than its share of troubles over the course of the last nine months. You might remember a couple weeks ago, one of the members of the Wauwatosa Common Council, Alderman Heather Cool, resigned her position. She was one of these kind of way out there lefties who was exposed having done certain things like uh, a Twitter account and things like that. And, and she ended up, she ended up resigning for, for whatever reasons. That created a vacancy. So the common council voted on on the vacancy. Apparently the I think that the mayor selected made his nomination and then the the common council members voted on who was going to replace this alderman alderwoman who had resigned. Um, by a 9 to 6 vote they appointed a guy named Robert Gustafson. Now Gustafson is a local business owner. Apparently, if you look at his background, he grew up in he, he grew up in Milwaukee and he moved to Wauwatosa in 2007, and then he moved back to Milwaukee about eight years later, and then he moved to Wauwatosa's fifth district in 2019. So, I mean, he, he's he's grown up in that area, sort of like, gee, um, I, I grew up in Glendale and I lived in Whitefish Bay. You know, so you're you're part of of the community um, for essentially all his life. He is the co-owner of something called Venture Brew in Milwaukee. It's a small business on, on North Avenue, very, very close to the border of Wauwatosa. And he's also the president of the Uptown Crossing Business District in Milwaukee. So small business guys in his mid-30s, wants to get involved. So he, he was appointed to the Common Council, and he was confirmed by a vote of 9 to 6. His appointment would not be controversial in under normal circumstances because he, he's he's qualified to do this. But he is a white male. And some members of the community and the common council are upset, not that he's not qualified, but because he is a white male. For example, um, you know, one of the people that's quoted, another older woman, um, says, on a council where we have four women and on a council where I've heard no one say that there wasn't qualified female candidates or candidates of color, I am saddened by the fact that we've chosen another Caucasian male for our council of 16. There are apparently no people of color on the on the council. So th- it becomes controversial not because he's qualified, but because he's a white guy. He becomes controversial, and six people vote against him. So you've got that. There is a variation of this story that is playing out on the national level. All right, Joe Biden, and I know some people still don't want to hear this, but Joe Biden is going to be sworn in as the, what, 46th president of the United States in in, in January. And he's going to be filling out his cabinet. He's already started making some of the nominations. The front runner 
to head one of the cabinet agencies, the Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA. The front runner is a woman named Mary Nichols. Mary Nichols is 75 years old. She is from California. She she has a nickname. She's called the Queen of Green. Um, she was appointed head of the California Air Resources Boards four times in California. Um, she is a very, very aggressive an environmentalist. She pushed auto companies to boost fuel efficiency. She's taken on oil companies. She's capped pollution from power plants and industries. She was fighting the Trump administration to defend California's right to set its own emission standards. She's probably best known for this cap and trade program for greenhouse gas emissions that made, you know, that California kind of unique. The program limits the amount of carbon dioxide, methane, and other greenhouse gases that businesses can and emit. Okay, so you, you get the idea. She's an incredibly pro-environment activist, if you want to use the pro-environment thing. She is, she would be the, the left-wing dream as the head of the EPA. And, you know, again, she wouldn't be my choice if I was the president, but she, you know, for Joe Biden, she's, she's, she's perfect. She checks off all the boxes except one. There is a controversy that has broken out. Now, Republicans aren't thrilled with her because of all the different things that I just went through. But the problem that she's really having right now isn't based on the the policy things with Republicans. It's that the Democrats have turned on her. At least some Democrats have turned on her, not because she doesn't have the whole checklist and that she's not where you want to be on the issue of climate. But it's because, wait for it, she's a white woman. This is the way the story is, is big story in the Washington Post making this point. Activists on the left are arguing that there are several, quote unquote, candidates of color who deserve the top spot at the EPA. The Sunrise Movement has endorsed two former senior EPA officials who served under Barack Obama, um, the Congressional Hispanic Con- Caucus has submitted a list that includes a guy who's an Argentine-American who directs the New York University School of Law problem, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they say that, you know, we need a transformative leader, and the argument is there are eminently qualified people of color. So we shouldn't go with Mary Nichols. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Pardon me, but my head is getting ready to explode on this. I, I am not arguing for Mary Nichols as the head of the EPA. Like I say, I, I think if you look at her track record, she's way, way, way out there on, on the left. But if you want to look at somebody on the left who checks off all the boxes with a distinguished career, it, it would be Mary Nichols. She would be a shoe-in for this. And yet you have people on the left who say she shouldn't get the gig because she's a white woman. Just like there are people in Wauwatosa who say the the latest alderman shouldn't have been appointed, not because he wasn't qualified, but because he's a white Mail. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Don't we have to be colorblind? I, I mean, look, I understand that the push for diversity, 
And, and I think, you know, diversity is, is a great thing. You bring different sort of perspectives. But have we really gotten to the point that, oh, this Mary Nichols, she should be disqualified. She's not a person of color, so let's not give her the gig. Or isn't it terrible that we put in this guy in Wauwatosa who's a white male? You know, why didn't we go out and try to find a person of color? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. It, do we really need to become a colorblind society? And if we do, is things like this, does things like this help us get closer to that? We discuss in just a minute. 855-616-1620. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, don't misunderstand. I, I, I'm not arguing for the, this Mary Nichols to get the job running the EPA. She's way, way, way out there to the left. She's a 75-year-old woman who has a history of what I would argue in some cases could be described as extreme environmental positions. But, oh, okay, if Joe Biden wants to nominate her, that, that's fine. That's his call. The interesting thing about this story is Biden is getting all sorts of blowback from people on the left, not because she's not qualified, not because the left doesn't love her history on environmental policies, but you have people on the left who are upset that she is a white woman. How dare we appoint a white woman to this spot? Really? Let's start with Dick in Manitowoc. Dick, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. How are you doing? Real well, Uh, thank you. My feeling has always been whether you're appointing someone, hiring someone, or whatever, it's the most qualified candidate that gets the job regardless of these uh, other features, whether they happen to be white or black or whatever. Most qualified should get the job. Well, well, right. I mean, and thanks for calling. And again, it's it's a combination of most qualified. Obviously, she has a a longstanding relationship with Joe Biden. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not arguing that some of these these other people that they're talking about, for example, there's um, a couple uh, senior officials um who are both, I believe, are are black. But, you know, one's a female, one's a male. I, I'm not arguing that they in themselves wouldn't be qualified. That's not the point. But apparently, because of relationships, et cetera, et cetera, uh, Joe Biden is comfortable. This is the person he wants to appoint. You look at the policy list, and it's all fine. And everything, it would, this would be a, this appointment would sail through, except there's people on the left who've decided, well, we don't need white women. Um, how, how dare he consider appointing a, a white woman? My argument would be, you appoint somebody, if you're the president, who you are eminently comfortable with and who is eminently qualified. 855-616-1620. Jeff, so let me get this straight. We're supposed to be colorblind, but being white is disqualifying. Yeah, in, in the minds of some people, it it is. That's exactly right. Um, <clears throat> Jeff, the Department of Defense Secretary nominee is in a similar confounding situation. The left was yelling for more African-American nominees. Biden nominated General Lloyd Austin. Now the left is upset that they need to grant uh, waiver and, uh, Austin a waiver because he hasn't been out of the military long enough. Too many boxes to check. Yeah, that that's... You know, that is exactly it. And and he makes the the texter makes a very good point with General Austin. There's a lot of people on the left who 
don't think it should be the Secretary of Defense should be a general. We don't want somebody, you know, out of out of the military. It should be somebody else. But if it was a white male, you know, people would be screaming about that. Jeff, I sit well left of center, and I'm very tired of people being nominated to check a box or be a first. I don't always see where you're coming from, but I'm right with you on this one. See, we can uh, we can we can reason together, Jeff. Situations like this keep discrimination alive. Jeff, um, look, this is a Webster Dictionary definition of racism. The job should be considered on the basis of qualifications, period. Putting someone in a position based on skin color or heritage is racism by definition. Um, well, that's that's kind of my point. Jeff, I think this would be reverse racism. It It, it is reverse racism. Racism. Look, that, that's the whole bottom line of this. And this is where, this is where you see the left eating its own on this thing. That, all right, you know, we, we want to appoint people that, that support the policies that we want to advocate. But it's not just enough to support the policies that we advocate. You have to check this box. Now, in the case of Mary Nichols, she, she checks the female box. Okay, so you got that. She checks the policy box, but she doesn't check the person of color box. So apparently, unless you can check all those boxes, there's people on the left that thinks that she does not deserve a job. I'm going to tell you something. Once we start getting away, and I have no issue with diversity. That's not the point of this. But if, again, being a white woman in this particular situation is disqualifying, I'm going to tell you something. It's going to be a long, long, long four years. Back with more in just a minute. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. There's something interesting going on. Um, the, The number of people who are coming down with COVID is through the roof. And it's not it's not just in Wisconsin. It's not just in the Midwest. It, it's all across the, the country. We are seeing, for whatever reason, a surge. And, and, you know, we can argue about, you know, what is it? Is it because of COVID fatigue? Is it because people refuse to wear masks? Is it because perhaps masks aren't that effective in, in stopping the spread? Well, you know, whatever. I, I don't want to go down that route. The numbers are, are the numbers. The, the number of people who are testing positive through the roof. And it makes it very, very clear to me that while, of course, you, I don't, there's, you want to wear a mask and you want to maintain distance and you want to wash your hands and all those things. But it, it seems to me that the, the only light at the end of this tunnel is when that vaccine starts to get widely disseminated. So COVID's going through the roof. On top of that, there are people who believe that we're going to see a, another surge very shortly when um, the, the Thanksgiving numbers start to come in. You know, people who traveled over Thanksgiving who you know might have gotten exposed, et cetera, et cetera. So maybe that's the case. Well, here's the weird thing that, that is going on. Even though we know that the number of people with COVID is surging, what they're finding is that there is a huge drop-off in the number of people who are getting tested. Okay, so let me give you the numbers. On on Monday, as of Monday, uh, the state had the ability to test about 60,000 people per day. All right? On on Monday, only um, 17,700 people 
sought tests. So about a third of, of the testing capacity. Before the Thanksgiving holiday, there was a surge in testing um, reaching a high of 48,500 on November 19th. But the numbers have declined, you know, from that. And one of the things that they're, they're seeing is that, again, the, the numbers of people who are going in to get tested, it, it's dropping. And it's dropping dramatically to the point that we have all sorts of excess capacity that, that are out there. Um, average over last week, the state conducted about 29,500 tests each day. Two weeks ago, the average was 39,000. Okay, so part of the problem now is because people who might show symptoms or might be concerned that they were exposed, because they're not going in to get tested, it's it's tough to try to get an accurate picture on, you know, how bad is this spreading? Because, again, if people don't feel good or might have symptoms or whatever, but are choosing not to get tested, well, they might have it. It's just that we don't end up knowing about it. All right, I have a why question. Now, I've got a couple of theories of this, but I, I'm curious. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Why do you believe that the number of tests, the number of people going in to get tested, is dropping off so dramatically? And, and it is dropping off dramatically, down down a third um, from one week to the next, down dramatically from before Thanksgiving. People are not going in to get tested in the numbers that they were. There's got to be a reason for this, um, especially when you look at the number of people admitted in hospitals and stuff. Is it because people aren't coming down with COVID symptoms? I don't think so. Or is it because people are making the decision we, we're, we're not going to get tested? And if so, why? I've got my theories. I will share them in a moment. Why do you think the number of people going to get tested for COVID is down so dramatically in Wisconsin? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, for months and months and months, we've been hearing about testing for COVID and things like that. Well, in Wisconsin, right now, we have the capacity to do about 60,000 tests a day. On Monday... Uh, less than 20,000 tests were, were done, less than 20,000. And that number has been declining dramatically over the last couple of weeks. Now, we, we know from the number of reported people with COVID that the instance of COVID doesn't appear to be going down, but yet more and more people are not going in to get tested. My question to you is, why do you think this is? Let's start with Mike in Madison. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, I I think there's probably three or four audiences here that are thinking differently, but I I think it I think some people just simply are not worried about it. I think there's also a, a population population of people that don't trust the PCR test because there's enough thoughts out there that they're not as accurate as we'd like them to both be and. And yeah, but I'll, I'll let you make your rest of your point. But the problem, I mean, the problem with yeah. that is that there were, you know, um, you know, two we- two weeks ago there were on average, you know, an- an- another ten thousand people a day that were getting tested. So that skepticism mm-hmm. about the test has always been out there, but fewer people are yeah. still getting tested. Yeah. Anyways, go well, ahead. But but I think to yeah, but to that point though, it leads to okay, if they don't trust it in the first place, and then they're positive and they have no symptoms, and then they're quarantined, and then mm-hmm. you know the, I guess that third population is that group of people really can't afford to be quarantined. 
you know, they really can't be it, stuck in an environment where they have a positive test that doesn't show symptoms and they can't go anywhere. The people who don't want to know, in other words. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, right or wrong, I think that's a very real real possibility no no thanks no i i actually i i agree with you see i mean i there, there's always people that are there there's the people that are that are skeptical about this about the significance of it okay the, but but that that population has always been there and then there's the people who don't trust the tests like you were talking about mike but that population has already been there and yet still people have been ending up you know getting tested so what's going on well i think there's a couple things i think first of all the the pre-thanksgiving holiday buildup there were people who intended to travel but they were going to go out and they were going to get tested because it, it made them feel better hey i've at least verified if i'm going to go over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house at least i i have been tested and they tell me I don't have it. Now, I, I, I understand that, that that might not be a perfect sort of thing, but I think that was what was driving some of the numbers. But I, I think you nailed it, Mike, when you talk about, I think there are people who just don't want to know. So, and, and this would be the, the people who um, have symptoms. Now, obviously, if you're in a situation where you, you, you can't breathe and you're running 102 fever and you're in one of these extreme sort of situations, yeah, you, that, that's when we're, we're going to the doctor, you're, you're going to find out whether you need to be hospitalized. But for the people that have mild symptoms that are similar to, and I, look, I, I understand COVID-19 isn't the flu. I get all that. But I'm talking about, you know, you, you've got symptoms that are similar to a mild case of the flu. Um, similar to a cold. Gee, I've got some, you know, congestion that's in my throat, or I feel like I've got a head cold, or I feel like I've got a little chest cold. Th- those minor type of symptoms. I think you're exactly right. I think that there, there's people out there who are simply making the decision saying, I, I just don't want to know. I, I, I don't, I don't want to know if I have it or not because I don't feel that bad. But if I end, if I have it, well then, okay, I'm, I'm quarantined for, you know, the next two weeks. And I'm not defending that position, but I think that's, that's kind of what we're confronting now because I think there's a lot of people. Now, hopefully, those people that are showing symptoms, whether it's symptoms of COVID or a cold or the flu or whatever, hopefully they're doing the right thing and, and they're not going out. So, Hopefully, you, you would assume for some people that if they've got stuff that might be COVID, even if they're choosing not to get tested, well, what they're doing is they're still treating themselves as if they were infected with COVID and, and not going out. But I, I wonder if that's the case. Let's talk to Steve in Jackson. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they talk about the vaccines. I think people are just going, hey, we got a vaccine. So we're going to just uh, wait? We're just going to hang out and uh, wait for our turn. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, I think. I mean, th- th- that would again. Thanks because that would again would be an that would be an irony. Now, the, the I mean the vaccine, unless you're unless you're a healthcare worker or unless you're living in a nursing home, you're not going to be getting the vaccine for for quite a while. And especially if you're if you're not a quote unquote essential worker and you're not over sixty five, it's it's going to be an even longer wait probably. Maybe, but I mean, there is something that that's real that, that's going on. It's kind of like. 
Well, I, I was talking the other day about how for, for every like two or three books I read, I try to go back and, and reread some book that I read in high school or college or, or whatever. And I'm in the middle of doing that with Joseph Heller's book, Catch-22. And maybe you've seen the movie or the, the miniseries or stuff. But it, but it's set in World War II. And, and the whole idea of, of Catch-22 is that it, it features people who fly bomber missions. And the, the premise is, well, if you're crazy, you can't fly a bomber mission. That, that's that's the idea. But then there's Catch-22 that says that nobody that's sane would want to fly a bombing mission. So if you come in and you say, I don't want to fly the bombing mission because I'm crazy, well, you can't be crazy because nobody that's sane would be willing to fly the bomber mission. That That's Catch-22. And in some respects, we're, we're in our own kind of Catch-22 when it comes to the COVID testing, I think. You've got people who just, just don't want to know about that. The whole idea of, well, if I go in and get tested, then once I know that I've got it, then I'm going to have to quarantine. Then I'm going to, have to be forced to stay home from work, and I don't want to do that. So I'm not going to go in and get tested in the first place. Now, I'm not advocating that. I'm just trying to figure out why that might be. Here's a couple texts. Jeff, I think people are avoiding tests because they don't want to know the results or have it interfere with holiday plans. Also note that nationwide, despite appeals not to travel, more people traveled for Thanksgiving um, than even traveled last year. Jeff, if I believe I have COVID, why would I need to go in and get tested? Just stay home. I would never go in to get tested. Seems unnecessary. Well, okay, the, the reason you would get tested is, first of all, to make sure that you have COVID as opposed to influenza or as opposed to um, just, just a regular cold. The second reason you would go in to get tested is to confirm that if you have COVID, then what's going to happen is you're going to get a call from, you know, the... Um, contact tracers who are going to try to figure out, you know, were you around people while you were, you know, possibly infectious? And then what they're going to try to do is figure out, okay, were were you at places? So, you know, are the people we can contact and tell them that, you know, maybe they need to get um, tested? Jeff, I've been tested twice, both negative. Unless I lose my sense of taste, I'm not going to get tested anymore. Um, Plus, I'm not sure if my insurance is going to keep uh, testing yet. Um, yeah, Jeff, I'm, I think some people aren't willing to wait in long lines. Um, and also, I don't think people want to be told that they have to not go out. Again, to me, that the scary part about that is, you know, in, in today's day and age, even if you haven't been tested, if you've got, whether it's the flu or whether it's a cold or whether it's COVID or whatever, I, I think our default position has to be we're going to assume it's COVID or we should assume it's COVID even if you haven't gotten tested because the last thing I think anybody wants to do is infect other people. Um, Jeff, maybe because the maybe people aren't getting tested because the answer is the same. Stay home, quarantine, stay away from people, whether you have a test that says so or not. Um, huh. Jeff, I've heard people don't want to get tested because it's a painful process when they stick the cotton swab in your nose. I've been tested for COVID. It's not a it's not the most pleasant thing in the world. They have this long little cotton swab that they put up your nose and they hold there for a few seconds and it's not particularly comfortable, but 
at the same time. Yeah. And then they, they do a swab of, when I had it done, they did a swab of the back of your throat. And, and again, it, I'm not saying it's the most pleasant thing in the world, but at the same time, you know, when you go through medical procedures, trust me, as medical procedures go, it's not that unpleasant. Jeff, I must say that getting tested and knowing I was positive has been liberating. The fear and uncertainty is gone, and I could be useful to others as an information source, and I know I could no longer spread it. You see, that's that's the flip side of this. That That's the other side of this, that, you know, if, if you are positive and assuming you're one of the people that doesn't have the really bad conditions. And, of course, that that's why, I mean, I would never encourage people to have COVID parties where everybody gets sick because, you, you, you know, I mean, some people are going to have really adverse reactions. But, yeah, I understand exactly what the texts are saying. On one hand, it's freeing. If you've had COVID, you've had mild symptoms, you've done the quarantine, you're done with it. They tell you that you have immunity for at least 90 days, and the truth is you probably have it for a lot longer than that. So, you know, you you know, you know, have a, a, a chance. Um, it, it is kind of, I think, freeing in that regard. Um, Jeff, maybe because vaccines are near and people feel they will coast and be careful until that happens. Also, if symptoms aren't that severe, people are self-quarantining without needing a test verification, if in fact they are. But yeah, see, that's how I would explain this, basically. I, I think people don't want to know the answer. They, they Because, you know, once you get that positive test, it triggers all these different things. And I'm not arguing against those triggers, but you'll get a call from the contact tracers. You'll get follow-up stuff from your health care provider. You know, you'll your, your employer is going to ask you, you know, whether you have it, and then your employer is going to have all these protocols. Now, hopefully people are following those same protocols regardless, but my guess is some aren't. Uh, bottom line is, I guess, I, I just think if we're going to be responsible here, if, if you have any question at all as to whether you've been exposed or, you know, you're showing any sort of symptoms at all, I, I think, you know, it's in everybody's interest that you get tested. And then, then you know for sure whether it's a cold or the flu or it's it's COVID. And once you know you've had COVID, like the texter was saying, it's kind of freeing in, in a way. So that's that makes it worth it. And, of course, if you just simply, you know, wait until you have a really adverse reaction, well, then you're not doing anybody a favor either. Numbers are down dramatically, though. There is something going on. Maybe they'll pick up as we get a little bit closer to Christmas and people decide that they want to travel again and they want to make sure that, again, they're, they're not going to grandma's house and they're not going to, you know, be bringing it with them to the extent that, that you can assure that. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. And this is Jeff Wagner. Um, fascinating text coming in. Jeff, um, I think it's simple from a women's, woman's point of view. Until Christmas is over, there is no time for anything but getting ready for the holidays, much less sitting in line for an hour. It's a very, very busy time of the year. Um, I mean, that could very well be a factor. Jeff, if I believe I had COVID, why would I need to go get tested? I would just stay home. I would never go to get tested. It seems unnecessary. Well, the thing is, then you, you confirm that, that you have it. Jeff, maybe people aren't getting tested because the answer is the same. Stay home, quarantine, stay away from people, whether you have a test that says so or not. But in that case, wouldn't you want to know whether you've had it? I, I talk to all sorts of people who say, gee, I, I think I had it, but I, I, I don't know. I was really sick in, in March or whatever, but I, I just don't know for sure. I guess I think I'd want to know one way or the other. If if I was sick and I had the symptoms, I'd, I'd want to know because 
it would certainly inform how I behave moving forward. Jeff, I don't want to know if I have COVID. I can't stop my life for two weeks. I have a busy life. Uh, again, that's a texture. And with all due respect, the problem is if, if you're sick and you're contagious, you, you got to dial back your life because then, then what's going to happen is you're going to get other people um, sick. Jeff, I think the answer is obvious. More people were testing so they could travel together for Thanksgiving, even though I don't believe that they should have. That, that, that could have been a factor as well, which would explain why it's dropped off and then would explain again maybe why the numbers jump um in December, when you get closer to that. In any event, it's an interesting dynamic. Health experts are trying to figure it out. I I think it's a simple answer at the end of the day. I think people aren't getting tested because they don't want to know. Hopefully, though, if people have symptoms, whether they've been tested or not, they're still acting as if they are positive, because if folks are going out when they feel contagious and stuff like that, you're we're really going to see this surge. Okay, when we come back, how would you like 600 bucks in your bank account, Christmas trees, and lots more? Stick around. The Wagner Show continues after the news. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. So very glad to have you with us. All right. When COVID first hit, when the pandemic started last March, lots of people lost their jobs through no fault of their own. And suddenly people's financial futures were just just thrown into a tizzy. The stock market started to plunge. Businesses started to close, etc. In an effort to try to keep the economy from cratering and to help people with day-to-day expenses, Congress rushed through the, the CARES Act, and we've talked about this aspect of the CARES Act before. What Congress decided to do was issue checks in the amount of $1,200, which were sent to or put in your bank accounts, for everyone who, if you were, it was based on, it was based on your last year taxes, or if you hadn't filed taxes for 2019 yet, then it was for two years ago. But the, the criteria for qualifying for a, a stimulus check was based on your adjusted gross income that, that you reported on your last tax. And I, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I think if you were, if you were single filing individually and you reported less than $75,000 in adjusted gross income, you got a $1,200 check. If you were married filing jointly, the, the limit was uh, 150000 I believe. And in that case, both uh, spouses ended up getting a, a $1,200 check for a total of $2,400. Now, the, the good news about what happened with this is the money, it, it went out quickly. You know, pe- people got it quickly. It's not like what's been happening in Wisconsin where we continue to um, make people wait for unemployment compensation payments and things like that. The, the money got out quickly. The problem with this is there's a lot of people who got that stimulus money that, in my opinion, didn't need it and did not deserve it. Now, now, hear, hear me out on this. There's no such thing as a money tree where you just go and you, you pull the bills off it. That, that's not the case. You know, obviously, when, when you're talking about, you know, a trillion or two trillion or however much three trillion dollars, that, that's going to have to come from somewhere. It's going to have to come from taxpayers. It's going to have to come out of the government coffers somehow. So it's not free. So there is a cost to that. 
when that money went out, it didn't go to people based on need. It went to people based on reported incomes. So, for example, if you were a, let, let's say you're a retired couple in your you know late 60s who has $4 million sitting in retirement assets, and, and you're you're not you're not taking that, or you're not taking much of it, and your joint income between you know your social security and whatever you take out to live on is under 150 grand. Even though you have millions of dollars of assets, you, you still got each got a $1,200 check. If you're um, somebody who is independently wealthy, but again doesn't have a lot of that adjusted gross income, you, you got a check. And um, if you're somebody who's who's working, I, I know people who, um, candidly, between husband and wife, you know, were, were making six figures. They hadn't lost their job. They continued to work, and they got you know twelve hundred dollars a piece. So I mean, I know people that were in that that sweet spot, that area between a hundred thousand and one hundred fifty thousand dollars, who um, for them. The pandemic was a nuisance, and, and I'm not downplaying it. I just mean that, yeah, maybe they were working from home instead of working, but they were still working. They were still getting paychecks. Their income didn't change, but they got the $1,200 check. The reason the government sent all this money out, though, is they didn't want to take the time to try to determine who needs it and who doesn't or to put in tougher requirements. It was just easy to say, okay, let's figure out people's taxes. Anybody below that number gets that, that check even if it resulted in a lot of that money going to people who didn't quote-unquote need it. All right, so now we're having this discussion about a second stimulus plan. And Republicans and Democrats are appearing right now to coalesce around a proposal that would be about a third of what the original stimulus stuff cost, and um, that would be... And, and it would involve some extra assistance for people who continue to be unemployed, not $600 a week, but $300 a week. But the, the wrinkle is now the Trump administration has waded in, and the Trump administration has now decided to push for a second round of stimulus payments, not $1,200 a piece, but $600 a piece to everybody who got the last set of stimulus payments. All right, our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. All right, should should we, everybody that got a $1,200 check, should all those people now get a $600 check moving forward? My answer would not just be no, but heck no. What do you think? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Now, I'm not suggesting that you could not, if you thought about this, craft a proposal or a program where maybe some people got another round of modest of a modest stimulus check. But but the criteria of just we're going to send it to everybody who has a joint income below $150,000, no thanks. 855-616-1620, we discuss in a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Judy in West Dallas. Hi, Judy. You're on WTMJ. Hello, Jeff. Love your show. Thank you. Thanks I for want to. I want to. Yeah, I've called many times. I want to say I. I don't think it's absolutely not for me. I don't believe that people need the extra six hundred dollars. I. 
I felt the first time around that why I had a roommate living with me at the time and she gets social security disability, but her income level didn't change one iota. I unfortunately lost my job and I'm still looking for a job. I live on $280 a week Mm -hmm. and I can't make it. And I'd like to see them put more money into the unemployment system because (laughs) there's a lot of people looking for it there. And I mean, I don't know how... yeah, see, I'm with you, Judy. Nothing I, changed. Well, nothing I see. I changed. right. I see. I I'm with you. I I'm not anti a second round of of stimulus, but I, I think it needs to be smarter and needs to be targeted. Let's 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 figure out ways we can help the people who've who've really been impacted by this and the people who are in the long term unemployed situation. You're right. Maybe maybe it's a, again a, a reinstitution of some extra unemployment benefits. Maybe not six hundred dollars a week, but maybe three hundred. But wh- whatever. I'll leave that to people right. smarter than me but just just sending out $600 checks willy-nilly to everybody to me look it, it you know if i if i go to my bank account one day and i find that there's you know $2400 in our joint bank account i i'm going to it's not like i'm going to send it back but but why should i get it if i don't need it and i haven't been adversely impacted by the pandemic well and i have two sons that make very very good money And then they didn't get it because they make too much money. (laughs) And then, you know, it's like, how is that fair to the people? I mean, so I don't think it was right to do the 1200 But I I have one other thing to say is, like, now all these people are going to go out on their Christmas vacation, and they have money to live on and have their nice holidays. And they're going to – we're not going to get anything passed to help me out for Christmas to buy anything for my grandkids for Christmas. You know, yeah. it's just really sad. Yeah. So, no, no I, I think they need. This, yeah, they, they should have gotten it done. It a lot harder. No, th- thanks for call and, and been, thanks for call Judy and 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 been smarter. And again, I'm I'm not sitting here saying that I that there's no there's no need for a second round of stimulus. But I, I'd like to see it be targeted to the people whose lives really have been upended and continue to be upended by the pandemic, as opposed to. Uh, look, I, I worked through the whole thing. I, I mean, it, it's I, I worked from home, but I worked through the whole thing. I, I kept getting paychecks and by, I kept getting health benefits and stuff like that. And if my income was of a certain level, you know, it, it, why would you send me twelve hundred bucks? I mean, that that's the the bottom line. And again, I, if if the government wants to give me twelve hundred dollars, twelve hundred dollars, it's not like I'm going to say no to it. But at the same time. All right, that, that $1,200 is coming from somewhere. Let's talk to Zach in the third ward. Zach, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, Jeff, I just want to point out, I'm an econ major right now, the U.S. is primarily a consumer spending class. So I think if you give people the money, um, there's no real downside to it. People are going to spend the money. Um, well, but wait, wait but the money has to come from somewhere. It, it's not like there's the money tree. You know, you, you, you take a dollar. What you're doing is you're taking a dollar from somebody else and, and giving that dollar to, to uh, again, the person in the form of the stimulus. It's, it's, it's a zero-sum game, isn't it? Well, in my opinion, I wouldn't see it that way at all. You know, I look at it how um, the last caller talked about. She spoke about uh, increasing the unemployment fund. Um, that's still the government providing relief. So um, even those who applied for unemployment, they had to wait and wait and wait. Mm-hmm. I think if you give people money and they're able to spend it, I mean, wh- where are people going to spend it? They're going to spend it, like the last caller just said, they're going to buy presents. They're going to go out. They're going to do things. 
And while that may be counterintuitive for people to stay at home and not get sick, I mean, I, I listen to your show a lot, Jeff, and I love it. I love hearing you talk. I I don't see how a, a country whose GDP is primarily consumer spending wouldn't see maybe the benefit of giving someone, and I, I'm still claimed as dependent. I wasn't mm -hmm. anyone who received $1,200. Uh, I'm I'm lucky enough to be someone who could uh, have my college paid for by my parents. But I still saw many people, though, people who bought or, or at least provided their own tuition, receive these checks, they spent their money, mm -hmm. and now they expected more. And I don't know. For me, it was just like if, if people are going to spend the money, then uh, for me, it's not a zero-sum game. The money's being spent. It's well, people aren't putting in their pocket. But thanks, Nicole. That, that actually, there, there's an interesting piece in the Wall, Wall Street Journal in the last couple of days. And, and, and it, it was making – I mean, I understand what you're saying. Your, your argument is it's good for the economy. If somebody gets a, a dollar, they're going to go out and they're going to spend that dollar. And, and that, that, that's in general true, although I think the people who were more well-off that got those $1,200 checks, I, don't, I think a lot of it probably just went into savings accounts or into investments or whatever. But my point is, and this is the point actually this Wall Street Journal article was making the other day, that, that – that the, the dollar, it, it's not, hey, you've got a dollar that you're now spending because that dollar comes from somewhere. I mean, it's it's all you're doing is moving it. You're moving that dollar uh, that the government is is, quote unquote, giving you the government. The, the, the government's got to get it from somewhere. Either they're going to borrow it or they're going to take it out and higher taxes or whatever. But that dollar is coming from somewhere. And then the, the government is redistributing it to somebody else to spend. But it's still it's still that same dollar. You're not changing the dynamic of the economy. Now, I know, by the way, there are some economists who who disagree with that during the um, during the Obama administration. The argument was, well, if you give people a dollar, it's and they go and spend it. The, the value to the economy is a dollar sixty four. That might not be exactly the number, but, you know, talking about and there's a lot of other economists and if i were economist i'd be one of them who just that say that's not really the case it's the same dollar now again i i appreciate that there's some people who are are hurting and still are hurting by this and and i would not object to some sort of tailored form of additional relief i mean i have a note here jeff my business had to close since march i really need the help i'm in a huge hole um but and and that's that's okay. I, that's the thing that I think that the politicians should have been working on all along. Let's figure out how to really help the people who had their their legs cut out from under them um, when 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 COVID came in through no fault of their own. You know, and whether it's in the form of additional loans or grants or, or whatever. That I, I'm willing to look at stuff like that, but just to. And, and again, I have a, a very close friend who just was right under the income threshold, you know. But but my friend, I'm going I'm to say he. But I'm not defining whether it's a he or she. Right under the income threshold, worked through all this. Their business is going great guns, and, and the the idea of sending my friend and their spouse, you know, an extra twenty four hundred dollars where they they just don't need it, but simply because they're a little bit below that level makes absolutely no sense to me. Uh, Jeff, $600 is not going to stimulate the economy. Um, I won't be going shopping. I mean, I would be making a mortgage payment. Jeff, I was furloughed. I had to burn up vacation to get paid. My salary was cut $10,000 due to COVID this year. Um, my taxes on income last year compared to this year are variously different. Are you saying I would not qualify for the next 600 I don't know. 
I, I don't know whether they're going to send it automatically to everybody or whether they're going to look they've got it before or whether they're going to look at the 220 thing. Um, just just saying. Um, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Carrie and Racine. Hi, Carrie. Good afternoon. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. I agree with, I think, your first caller and, and you as far as I really don't need it. The last check went into my savings. Um, I take care of the finances for a sister who's on disability, and actually she didn't need it either. It went into savings. Um, I think it should go to those who are not working. You've got so many restaurants going under um, because of the COVID. They could use it. I, I think they should specify, you know, instead of just um, sending it to everybody. Yeah, I mean, and, and again, and let, let's figure... Let's figure out who this is really targeted for and what we're trying to accomplish. Now, thanks, I mean, and again, that's that's it. I'm getting people who say, "Well, I didn't need the money, but I got it, and I went out and I bought a I bought a Weber grill at the hardware store and stuff like that." So I was supporting the economy, and 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 that's 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 great. I, I understand that. I mean, would I? Would I like the government to send me a check to let me go out and buy a new Weber grill? Sure, of course, I, I would like that. But I, I guess there, there's all sorts of other things. Where do you draw the line? I wish the government would send me money so I can go buy a new car, stuff like that. There, there's all those things that are out there. And again, it, it's just, it, to me, my problem is not with stimulus payments. It's just with blanket stimulus payments now a second time around. I understand why we did this in the beginning. We couldn't sort it out. We wanted to get the money in people's hands. And so as a result, a lot of people who got the money would not have otherwise in a sane society qualified for it. Okay, I I get it. I'm not faulting government for doing it. I understand why all this happened. But just because we did it once doesn't mean that we should do it um, a second time. All right, let's sneak in one more call. Tim in Fond du Lac. Tim, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Tim. What do you think? My wife and I are in the same boat as your friend there. We were just under the threshold, um, so we both got checks. We didn't need them. But it's you know, I look at it as it's also my tax dollars that are, that are paying for this. Yes, I mean, does, does that matter at all? Yeah, well, well right. That, that's why I keep yeah. That's why I keep saying to people, it's not free money. You know, the government right. that, that money that the government is sending is either borrowed or alternatively, it, it's tax money that's used to pay off the interest on the borrowing. Yeah, it, it comes from somewhere. Right. So shouldn't I get some of that back since? I'm in a little bit higher tax bracket than maybe somebody else, so I'm paying in more taxes. Yeah, <laughs> to, to pay for this stimulus. Yep, I I, I agree. Just, just a thought. No, no, thanks. No, I I get it, and I I understand. You know how the whole thing is working out. I just. It's it's easier just to, and I guess from a political perspective, everybody likes to go out to their mailbox and say, "Hey, I I just got this check here. This, this is great." Um, but don't we need to be smarter? Just saying. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right, a quick reminder. If you want to play our daily Price is Right variation of on our Wagner's holiday wish list, you can go to our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash 620WTMJ. This is sponsored every day of this, this week by our friends at Cedar Crest Ice Cream. And what we do every day is we put up some sort of Christmas 
Christmas delicacy, Christmas dish. Um, the, the one on Monday was Tom and Jerry mix, and the Tom and Jerry's with Cedar Crest ice cream. Yesterday was a cookies and cream sort of thing. Today is a Christmas ice uh, cream treen. And, and what it is, it's kind of like an ice cream cake. But um, it's got Cedar Crest, vanilla and chocolate flavors, cherries, almonds, minced fruit, fresh raspberries. Anyhow, go to the Facebook page. You can see the list of ingredients. You guess how much it would cost to make it. And the person that comes the closest without going over, that's the price is right, gets a $60 gift certificate to Cedar Crest. It's a little bit of fun. You have another about 20 minutes to do that. So if you're sitting in front of a computer and you want to take a shot at it, go do it. Uh, Closest to the actual cost without going over wins the gift certificate. And again, uh, we cut off the entries at 2 o'clock. And then tomorrow, 8 o'clock in the morning, we'll post uh, a new recipe. This one looks particularly good today. Not that the one, the Tom and Jerry mix, that was pretty good on Monday as well. All sponsored by our friends at Cedar Crest. Okay. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Now, I understand this is going to be a Christmas like no other. I, I get that. I, I understand. And there's some people who are going to be traveling for the holidays that's them that, that aren't. Um, at our household, I think that we figured out the way we're going to handle this is instead of having 20 people over for like Christmas on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, what we're going to do is we're going to do it by by families. You know, so maybe we'll have you know one one set of relatives, my our, my, my um, stepdaughter and son and son in law, and the kids from one side of the family over one day, and somebody else from the other. So we're going to avoid like the the big gatherings and stuff, but we're still going to be celebrating Christmas to an extent, just in a different sort of fashion. But but even with that, and even with all the different changes, and even with the limitations, you, you still want to have that Christmas feeling. And I, this is such an interesting story to me. My wife is very much in the Christmas spirit. Now, we, I understand this is heresy for some of you, but at the Wagner household, we have like a seven and a half, eight foot artificial Christmas tree that we got a couple years ago. And we, the day after Thanksgiving, that, that tree, that Friday, you know, we, that Friday, that, that tree is brought up from the basement, and then my wife spends the next couple of days, you know, decorating it. And so now, in a corner of our living room, we got this big Christmas tree, and then there's all there's garland all over, and there's mistletoe. And we go out. We we do have living things. There's a there's a wreath we got. My wife has this great outdoors sort of decoration thing that's on our front porch. So we've got we've got the artificial tree. We've got some of the the real wreath. We've got a real little tree that, that's out on the porch, all those different types of things. And and it's really, um, it looks a lot like Christmas at our house, thanks mostly to um, my wife. But it, it's interesting. There's a story in the Journal Sentinel yesterday talking about how sales of Christmas-related things, trees, wreaths, fresh decorations are up dramatically nationwide to the point that you've got Christmas tree lots and farms in the area selling out of Christmas trees earlier than they have in the past. The estimate, now this is nationwide, is that um, Christmas tree sales across the country are up almost 30%. That's three zero percent So people are embracing Christmas now in a bigger way, and they're doing it in an earlier way. And the Journal Sentinel story goes on, and it talks about how, you know, at some of the big Christmas tree lots around here, um, they start off with 300 balsam firs. Um, they're, they're down to 50 as of a couple days ago. Somebody else says that another lot, they expect that by the 12th, 
they're going to be sold out of trees, which is eight days earlier than they do than they did last year. I mean, the bottom line is people are running out. They're they're buying they're buying the trees. Our number is eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I have another why question. My theory on this is that we are all in an uncertain time. We are all looking for a sense of normalcy. And and look, this is going to be a different Christmas than most of us have experienced in our our lifetimes. It it just is. People aren't going to be getting together in big groups. There's not going to be the office Christmas parties. There's not going to be all the different holiday shows. It's going to be different. So I think one of the things that's happening is we are, all of us, we're trying to control some of the things that we can control. Now, I, I can't control the fact that you, you can't have the huge office party Christmas party or something like that. But I can control, we've got the decorations up in the living room, and you know we're ready to celebrate the season. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are you, are you making a bigger deal out of Christmas this year than maybe you've had in the past? And when it comes to putting up the trees or getting the wreaths or, or doing some of the, the things that you can do to, to decorate and to remind yourself of the holiday season, are, are you are you more into it maybe this year than you have been in the past? And I, I think for a lot of people, the answer is yes. I think that that's why people are running out and, and going out to the hitting the trees. I have a, a friend who traditionally their Christmas tree, they would go out and buy it on Christmas Eve, and, and that would be it. They'd spend Christmas Eve putting up the tree. Well, they had a little artificial tree. That that one went up, I know, a couple weeks ago. And and it's not to say that they're not going to go out and get the, the real tree like they did, although if they wait till Christmas Eve, it sounds like their choice might be limited. All right, a Christmas like no other, but how are you planning to celebrate, and are you already ahead of the game? 855-616-1620, we discuss. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Jeff in Fox Point. Jeff, good afternoon. Hey Jeff, I think it's good that people are buying stuff like that because physical items can cheer like that can cheer people up when they're in. <laughs> situations when they know that their holidays are going to be more limited and i've been buying a lot of like goofy hats and costumes and things like that and wearing it into a nursing home where a family member lives and um uh, most recently i got i'm going to be wearing a bumble costume of the abominable snowman from rudolph rudnose reindeer (laughs) um to the nursing home for a window visit well, I think, Jeff, I think, that, I mean, you are clearly, thanks for the call, in, in the, the holiday spirit. See, I think, again, I think it's a matter of, of control. And I don't say this in a bad way. This, it's a situation of, we, none of, I don't know about you, but I, I don't, I, I like, to, my wife is now, if she's listening to this, nodding her head, I, I like to be in control of things. And the idea that you, you've just kind of lost control of, of, of different things and you can't do what you wanted and you can't do what you're used to, I think that's frustrating for a lot of people. So, the, with the idea of decorations, well, it's something you can control. I can't control how normal or abnormal this particular Christmas is going to be. So, what I can do is, hey, I, I can get that tree up and I can in, enjoy it. And I mean, I in, in our case, you know, the, the tree comes down 
right after New Year's Day. It might even come down a little bit earlier this year. But but it's for this month that it's up there, it's just absolutely tremendous. Uh, okay, let's go to a couple of texts here. Our number, by the way, 855-616-1620. Jeff, my tree was up on Election Day. Outside lights were up. This is from uh, one of our listeners in Las Vegas. My tree was up on Election Day. Outside lights were up November 15th. Christmas cards were sent out Monday Baking Christmas cookies yesterday and today, all gifts wrapped under the tree and out-of-town gifts sent. I'm ready to enjoy the season the next two weeks. First season ever that I am ahead of the game. Now, in contrast, Jeff, not with you here. I'm way behind. Very little motivation to put up the tree or decorate due to feelings of bah humbug that uh, this COVID has brought. I've spoken to many people who feel the same way. Motivation is low with not being able to shop as in the past, attend parties, all of those different things. Yeah, I I understand that. And that's why I think it might be one of the reasons that in order to fight that kind of bah humbug thing, that might be why some people have decided we're, we're putting up the tree early. Normally we put up the tree the, the third week of December or the second week of December. To heck with that. You know, we're going out the day after Thanksgiving. We're getting it. We're putting it up. I, I think, again, that's that control thing that I was talking about where people, you know, try to try to do a little bit. We're going to celebrate Christmas. Let's try to enjoy the things we can. Um, Jeff, with most things shut, from uh, one of our listeners from Marquette, Michigan, for most things, with most things shut up, shut down up here, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel for things to do, for things for our kids to do. We bought a smaller tree for our kids, and every night when I get home from work, we take a family drive around town looking at people's Christmas displays. Yeah. There, there are. I think you see a lot of that too. There are so many great light displays out there, and all. Um, you know, my guess is a lot of people are doing that. Jeff, I have a tree up, but I've not purchased any gifts. I'm barely making it as is, and this is the year I might have to skip gifts altogether. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, that's going to be the impact with a lot of people just impacted so negatively from an economic perspective. Jeff, um, I, I get what, you're, what they're talking about economics. Uh, no tree, no gifts this year for our family. Hmm. Hopefully next year will be better. Jeff, my artificial Christmas tree was purchased this summer and has been up and decorated for a month now. My Christmas-scented candles have been burning for three weeks, and every time I walk into my house, I have an uplifting feeling of joy and a pleasant outlook for the future. I'm a single guy. I never did this kind of crap before the pandemic. Well, yeah, there there you um, go. Jeff, I think a lot of Gen Xers with families are looking for that nostalgic Christmas comfort in these uncertain times. So I think there is an element of that as well. Jeff, I think this is a great time to go to Vegas. We just got back. It was absolutely beautiful. Jeff, I had my decoration set up before Thanksgiving this year on top of my own Christmas shopping done for the first time in my life. Time to end 2020 with joy. Yeah, I think there's an element of that that's out there as well. I guess here's the, and and people are going to react to this differently. I understand. But when I saw this story saying how these Christmas tree lots are getting sold out and how the the sales are up 30%, et cetera, et cetera. Now, whether that, that holds... I, I don't know if if that's going to hold, or it might just be people buying stuff sooner. You know that the people that would have bought bought a Christmas tree a week before or a wreath two weeks before now they're buying it four weeks before. So I, I mean I don't know that that's going to necessarily translate into we've sold more stuff. It just might be the timing of it. But I, I will say, 
this, and this is just, it's just a cert- certainly a personal observation. In a year where it's been a tough year for everybody, admittedly, some people tougher than others, no question about it. It, if you're a person like me, who, you know, who celebrates Christmas and all, it, it is, I know exactly what that texter was talking about. It's nice to come home and, you know, the, the, you, it's getting dark so darn early now, and you turn on the tree, and you've got the twinkling lights, and then uh, all the other stuff, and you've got the mistletoe, and maybe you can get a kiss from your sweetie and stuff like that. And I always make a point of putting on the porch lights so after dark people can see the great display that we have up. Not a ton of lights or anything, just a, kind of a, just a nice little thing that my wife had done. But it does... I think it makes you feel a little bit more normal, and I think it makes it feel a little bit better. So maybe just a little advice. If if, if you're one of these people that's really got, got the, the bah humbugs, be, deservedly so and understandably so, and if you're going to be doing the Christmas tree and you're going to be doing a little bit of decorating, maybe you want to move up your schedule a little bit because my guess is once you get it done, it's going to make you feel just a little bit better. Well, could 2020 suck anymore? I, that, that's, that, that, and that is, by the way, a rhetorical question. You don't need to call on that. Um, just There's another story out there. Um, Michael's House of Prime in, in Pewaukee grew. Did you ever eat there? You never, never had. It, it's, it has been a restaurant. Let me back up into this. A couple of weeks ago. Up in, in Thienesville, very, very popular restaurant, um, called Sheel, which, which was, you know, made all the different foodie lists and all. It, it was an outstanding restaurant and the, the people that run Sheel, just the nicest people in the world. And, you know, what, what happened was a few weeks ago, it, uh, there, there, there were apartments. It was in an older historic building in Thienesville. There, a fire started in one of the apartments, and then it, it went down to the restaurant. And the building's pretty much a total loss. You know, just just a total loss, which is just that it's just a shame on so many levels. So, um, Michael's House of Prime, that has been a restaurant. And it, if you want to figure out, if you've never been there. It's it's a Pewaukee institution. It's been there for close to a hundred years, in one form or or another, and it's off the freeway. If you were heading west towards Madison, it's it's right by like the freeway I ninety four and SS to give you an idea out there. But it, it's been it's just an absolute institution, and it's been owned by you know a number of local families through the years. But it's it's been. I mean, it's been a centerpiece of that community, and they've had pretty darn good food as well. Well, if you haven't heard the story, fire breaks out. The call comes in about 4 o'clock in the morning. Um, deputies get there. They see flames at the rear of the second story of the business. Nope, nobody in the building at the time. And then it's a, it's just a major blow. It's, it's a complete loss. I, I guess I, I, I used to do... In another life, um, when I was practicing law, I used to do some some work with regard to you know fires and things like that. They they don't know what the cause of this is, but you know it's an older building. It was a small building, and it's it looks to me like it's pretty much a, a total loss. Uh, in any event, it's it's not going to be reopening anytime soon. Thirty two employees of the restaurant um, just out of out of work. And uh, there's actually a GoFundMe account that's been set up to try to help them. But this is this small supper club that was part of the the character of of that community and has been for a long period of time. And uh, again, in sort of 
one of kind of the the things that you almost expect from 2020. It, this here we are, the year's not over, and you have the fire, and the building is a loss, and people are out of work. And for all the people who had plans and have enjoyed that, you know, who knows exactly what the future is going to be? It's uh, you, you certainly hope that they rebuild, but let's face it, with all these restaurants closing and struggling and things like that, in, in some respects, it's kind of a lot to ask to say, okay, are, are we going to rebuild into this kind of uncertain future? But just just a Again, just a darn shame. There's no greater point than that other than this place was just an absolute, you know, institution for years and years and years and years and years and years, and and it, it goes up in flame. Very frustrating. All right, a lot of stuff coming up in the next hour of the program. Don't go anywhere. The third hour of the Wagner Show starts right after the news. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Gru, producing the show today and always. Are you a fan of Howard Stern? You love radio. You're a fan of Howard Stern? Uh, I can find the value in Howard Stern, but I've never really listened to the show. Okay. I um, I, I, let, me, let me say it this way. I, I, I have a lot of respect for Howard Stern. Anybody who has the longevity that he has in this industry. I I have a lot of respect for him. I, I, I never got the show particularly. It wasn't my cup of tea. But having said that, I, I again, I have a lot of respect for all the things that he does and the, the various success that he's had and the fact that this is a guy who really kind of created, in some respects, that, that sort of shock jock genre that that was out there it's it's not the kind of radio show that i do it's not the kind of radio show that i listen to but i again i i respect it i bring this up because okay howard stern is 66 years old and um looks it <laughs> he kind of looks he, he sort of looks it but it was interesting because you know we, we told you last week that, that clark howard who's been you know a syndicated feature on on wtmj since i started in wtmj in 1998 um you know he's clark howard announced that he was going to be retiring at the end of the year at least retiring the radio show i think he's still going to do his website and stuff like that but he, he's he's 65 and i think he just decided you know, it, it's kind of time to move on. Howard Stern, who is 66, just announced he signed a new five-year deal with Sirius Satellite Radio, a five-year deal that will keep him on on the air. Now, it's it's not terrestrial radio. It's the satellite stuff. But for another five years, he's going to work till he's at least 71 years old. Um, and it's just they're, they're not announcing what the, the deals are. In addition to that, he, he's cut this deal where his, his programs will be licensed for replay and stuff for Sirius for, you know, until um, 2032. So, I mean, he's going to be a huge spot. And, and again, one of the reasons I respect Stern so much, even though, like I say, it's not my cup of tea, is, you know, he really helped make satellite radio. When, when he moved over to Sirius from you know the regular the terrestrial radio station world in 2004 Sirius XM had about 600,000 subscribers now they have about 34 million now that that's not that that's just the way listening habits have changed and it's it's not all because Howard Stern was there i mean i have Sirius satellite radio it's not because there's a Howard Stern channel but but clearly he was something a, a feature a figure that called a lot of attention to the 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 satellite stuff and helped bring people around and has been clearly i think a a drawing point for a long time so my response to this is you know 
just good on him. Just good. I mean, good good for him. If at the age of sixty six they want to give him, and I, they're not saying how much money it is, but my guess is it's a big money contract. His line, I just absolutely loved it. When Clark Howard announced he was retiring, Clark Howard essentially said, "I have all the money I need. I'm ready to do something different." So that was a Clark Howard approach. Howard Stern says, "Now that I can work from home, I simply don't have an excuse to quit. <laughs> it's like I, I don't have to go into a studio. I can, and the technology is such that you know, they can be." And, you know, from the perspective of the listening audience, the hosts can pretty much do the show from wherever they want. And, you know, it, it's a little bit more complicated maybe to put it on the air, but not much. And people can't tell the difference. So Howard Stern says, hey, they're going to be giving me all this money. I can do the show from home. Why wouldn't I continue to do it? And that's just kind of a great attitude as well. So if you're a fan of Howard Stern, the story is um, he's going to be around for at least another five years doing his radio show. Okay, this is one of the most intriguing ethical issues around. Big story yesterday in the Wall Street Journal about this. Right now, we're starting to roll out the COVID-19 vaccinations, right? Now, theoretically, once, now, no vaccine is perfect, but the idea is that once you have been vaccinated, you know, you you won't be able to get it in all likelihood and you won't be able to give it to anybody. Right. It's not that much unlike people who have had covid and have come through it. Um, people who've had covid and come through it. Currently, what they tell you is that you've got immunity for at least three months, maybe six months, probably a lot longer than that. But but, you know, once you've had it, you're you're the free space. You know, you're you, you you're not going to get it from people. You're not going to give it to people. So, you know, you're, you're kind of the free space. And the idea is going to be if you get the covid vaccine, it, it's going to be the same sort of situation. So here's the way The Wall Street Journal writes this up. COVID vaccine passports could help life return to normal. So this would be the idea. You get the vaccination or and you get, you know, both doses of the vaccination. So you've now been vaccinated for COVID. All right. The question is, what happens then? Should you be able to do things because you don't have to theoretically be worried about COVID? I mean, right now, uh, for Americans can't get to Europe for for all intents and purposes. You 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 know cruise lines aren't aren't sailing right now as a general rule. All right, what what about a deal where hey I, I'm scheduled you're, we're scheduled to go on a a cruise um, that, that's leaving out of out of Paris in September. All right, what if between now and then you've gotten that vaccination? You know you've gotten your vaccinations. Should you have a card even if France? remains closed to Americans as a general rule, if you've got your COVID passport saying that you've been immunized, should you be able to go? Should the rules be different for people once they've had the vaccination? And I guess the corollary to that would be for people who've had it and have recovered and are on the other side, should you be able to get a card that says, hey, I, I you know, I, I'm going to... I." I can stand at that bar because I can't get it or give it to anybody. So treat me differently than the people that have not had it already. A COVID passport, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. On the one hand, you've got, okay, is this too big brother? Are, are we really going to you know worry about this? 
On the other hand, if the concern is people who are going to spread it or get it, and you've been vaccinated and there's no there's no realistic chance that you're going to get it or give it, right? Should you be able to start resuming more aspects of the normal life? Does it mean, hey, you've got that card that you say, hey, I can I can go into the movie theater and I can sit next to other people because I'm okay? Would you carry a COVID passport? Would it be reasonable to ask businesses or for businesses to allow people that once they've got the vaccination or carry it that next step if they've had it got some proof that you've had it you've come through the other side all right should there be a different set of rules for you than for the people who've otherwise had it 855-616-1620 i have to tell you there is an appeal to this for me we discuss in a moment this is jeff wagner on wtmj 855-616-1620. Okay, here, here is the, the next question, and this is a very serious question that's out there. Once we start rolling out the, the vaccines for COVID, all right, should people be able to get, well, they're calling it like a COVID passport. I mean, something that says, hey, I have been vaccinated, so let me fly on airplanes. Let me go on cruise ships. Let me travel. Let me stand at the bar with three or four people around me because I've got the vaccination. Um, real interesting issue. What about sporting uh, events? You know, what about, you know, going to Fiserv to see the Bucks or Marquette play? What about, you know, going to opening day with the Brewers? If you've been vaccinated, all right, you, you can't theoretically, you can't get it, can't give it away, can't give it to somebody. Should you be able to say, hey, here's my vaccination card. Let me in. I, I want to go. And then how do you carry that? What about people who've had COVID who have recovered and are being told that, you know, you, you've got immunity for three, six months, maybe more? Let's start with A and Fond du Lac. Good afternoon. Yes. Hi. Uh, hi. It's A.Y. How are you? Jeff? A.Y. Hi. Hi. Um, yeah, um, right. I think uh, right now, since it's so early, we, um, I think the best thing to do is keep it black and white, keep it simple, and don't necessarily let, you know, give, give people, uh, mm-hmm. certain people a pass and certain people not. I think it just makes it very complicated for, I would say, employers. For, for other companies, like you said, airlines. To, okay, but what, okay to, so let, let's roll this out. Yeah. Let, let's work with me. Let's say, okay, we're here. It's mid-December. Let, let's go to April 1st, all right? Let's say it's last. So the vaccines have been rolled out. You've had um, lots and lots of people, millions of people who've had that vaccination. Okay, next, next April, if, right. if the brewer said, hey, we're going to open up Miller Park, but you've got to have proof that you've had a vaccine the vaccine would that be a good idea that's interesting um i guess by then if you have just you know so many people vaccinated maybe maybe you would have that i don't know if i would go as far as the people who have had the vaccine and recovered Uh uh-huh you know there it really does you know yeah um you're 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 still still the trust a lot of well, right. Still have to, it, it just sounds like it gets so complicated. Well, it does. No, I mean, thank. Well, I mean, again, it. it well, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Why the? Um, well, I, I mean, okay, you you go to you you. I mean, you've been diagnosed. Let's say you've been diagnosed with COVID, and you have, and you. So there, there's there's a record that you've had it, and you've recovered. So you go to your doctor, and you get this little card, or theoretically, the certificate saying, okay, you know, you you had this. 
And, you know, we, we're telling people that you're immune for X amount of time. I think right now the, the conventional wisdom is they say you're immune for 90 days after you've, you know, recovered from COVID. Now, I, you know, I, will, will that turn out to be 180 days, you know, whatever, but, but let's take it that next step. I mean, if, how do we, at what point in time, see, that's the interesting thing about this whole story is what is the, what is the light at the end of the tunnel? When do we start resuming normalcy and, and how do we do it? When do we, when do we say, all right, people coming back to Miller Park and, and, and yeah, we're, we're going to sell 40,000 tickets to that Brewers Cubs game on that nice Sunday afternoon in, in July. When, do, when do we start doing it? And, and what is, what is the criteria that's going to be for that? Is it when, I, I don't know, nobody's getting COVID? Cause that's, that's a tough one because there's, again, I, I just think until you get, this herd immunity that's out there, you know, COVID's going to be with us for a long time, just like the flu is with us for a long time. And again, I know COVID's not the flu, but, you know, people are always going to be getting it. But we we don't say you can't go to Miller Park because of the flu. We, we don't say you, restaurants can only operate at half capacity because of the flu. At some point in time, we're going to have to figure out how do we deal with this at COVID? Is it when the, the number of reported cases drops below a certain point? Is it when the number of people who've been vaccinated or who've had it and recovered exceeds a certain point? I mean, what exactly is this? I, I will fully tell you, I think for international travel, I think that this, this is going to be a requirement. I, I think at some point in time, you're going to see, especially for like cruise lines and things like that, I, I think proof of vaccination is going to be, I, I think they're going to require it. And I think they might, you might see this required for like international travel. Like I say, if you, you're, uh, hey, I'm, I'm in the United States. I want to fly into Munich. Okay. Well, if, if you're going to come into Munich, you know, and you want to avoid a quarantine, you know, you, we're, we're going to want to see some sort of proof that you've been vaccinated. Um, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet mortgage talk and text line. Um, Jeff, I, I think we, I don't think we open up stuff until, um, we are 80% vaccinated. Hmm. Jeff, um, let's see. This is Carl. Will the vaccine certificate be required for voting? Well, I doubt that. Jeff, people will just print out fake documents. How are they going to verify them? I think it's very time-consuming. Jeff, I'd be fine with a vaccination ID as long as they include other vaccinations as well. People need to get measles and polio shots as well. Otherwise, they should not be allowed in places. Well, we're not going to have that. That's, you know, but at the same time, measles and polio and those shots, it's not like they're making a huge comeback. I understand that we had measles eradicated. Now it's making a bit of a return, but you're not going to carry it too far. They're, they're not going to be. You're not going to need to prove that you've been vaccinated for the measles before they let you on a plane. Uh, Jeff, heck yes, I'll carry one if it means I can do more or travel more than I'm doing now and do it shamelessly. I'll carry the card. Wouldn't a big scarlet C on our clothing even be better? Um, okay, well, I understand what they're saying there. But at the same time, if it allows, if you get vaccinated and it allows you to have a sense of normalcy, I don't mind showing the, uh, I don't mind showing the card if you've made the decision to do it. I also think, and this is one of our texts, um, somebody says, I think it's a great way to incentivize people to 
get vaccinated. Here's another one, Jeff. I think the passport is a great idea. Might encourage people who would normally block or balk at getting a vaccine actually to get the vaccine so they want to get into some of these venues. And I think it would increase a return to normalcy. Um, I think there is an element there. I think once the vaccine is readily available to anyone who wants it, then we should all go back to normal. And I think there there's a likelihood because we do have to figure this out because at some point in time, and I'm not arguing we're there now, but at some point in time, you, you've got to end the lockdowns. You've got to end the requirements of limits on capacity. We have to start getting back to normal at some time. And I think that's going to be one of the big debates moving forward is what is the criteria for that? Is it is it when the number of cases have decreased? Is it when the number of people who've been vaccinated or recovered or a certain level? But we've got to figure that out because at some point in time, you're, you're going to we're going to have to let people go to movie theaters if they want to go. We're going to have to let people go to restaurants. We're going to have to let people go to a sporting events. I mean, I, I understand we're doing this now, but sports aren't going to be able to make it if, if you don't have fans in the stands. It's just not going to happen. So at some point in time, we have to get back to that. Cruise lines are going to sail. I mean, all those different types of things and international travel for vacations and stuff. That's an important thing. And if the vaccination passport makes it easier for people to start doing that, I'm, I'm in. I, I'm in. And if you don't want to get the vaccine, okay, fine. If you don't want, if you get the vaccine and you don't want to carry the card, that's okay too. I, I get it. No problem with that. But don't be surprised if there's some limits on your movement. Okay, when we come back, we're going to find out what John and Melissa have on their minds on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.